Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Holy Conversations, the podcast of the Wesleyan Covenant Association. I'm Bob Kaler, along with my co-host, Stephanie Greenwald, for this special edition of the podcast. We've got a special one today, Stephanie. Yes, I'm so excited about our guest, about our big announcement, all the things that are going on. I'm excited. You may have noticed an article dropping this morning about the announcement of a new global Methodist church. And what that is going to look like is the focus of our podcast today. So Stephanie, introduce our guests who are going to be familiar to our listeners. Oh, yes. We have had the privilege of having both of these special guests on our show before, but really fun to have them both in studio with us today. I want to introduce the president of the Wesleyan Covenant Association, Keith Boyette, a good friend to us all. Keith, how are you doing today? I am doing great, and it's wonderful to be back with you today. Good. We love having you here with us. And I am so privileged to welcome Bishop Robert Hayes. Many of you will remember when he was on our show previously, he's a retired bishop originally from Texas, which we will forgive him for. But (laughs) (laughs) we're also glad that he did serve in the Oklahoma Episcopal area for 12 years before his retirement. One of my favorite brothers in Christ. Bishop Hayes, how are you doing today? I am doing great, Stephanie and Bob. It's good to be with you all again. Good to have you here. So I want to dive right into our questions for today, because we've got a lot of great things that we're going to be covering, things that people really are going to want to listen to the full duration of this podcast, because we're going to answer some great questions today. So Keith, let's start with you. Um, recently today, really, there's been a new website that has been released for the Global Methodist Church. And so why don't you tell us, is the Global Methodist Church legally formed and operating at this point? And when will the Global Methodist Church officially come into existence and begin to operate as a church? Well, thank you, Stephanie. I'm very excited to share information today about the Global Methodist Church. However, at this point, it's not a legally formed entity, and it's not operating as a church just yet. We will officially launch the church and legally form it once the protocol for reconciliation and grace through separation has been adopted by the General Conference of the United Methodist Church. We're sharing information today about it so churches, clergy, and laity who are looking forward to joining it are fully informed as we look forward to transitioning to a new day. So I I strongly encourage our listeners to visit the new website at www.globalmethodist.org. And I know you guys will put that link in your show notes. We certainly will. Absolutely. So Keith, tell us why the Global Methodist Church? Maybe describe a little bit about the logo, explain its meaning and significance. I know there were a lot of people involved in this decision. So can you tell us a little bit about the process and who those people are? Well, sure. As John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement proclaimed, the world is my parish. Ever since the people called Methodist have committed to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people all around the world. In that spirit, faithful Methodists have been praying and working to discern God's will for a new church rooted in scripture and the historic and life-giving teachings of the Christian faith. 
given that those called to this new denomination are from many countries, speak many languages, and yet share one faith, the name the Global Methodist Church seemed fully appropriate. Methodist in Africa, Europe, Eurasia, the Philippines, and the United States have warmly embraced this name as we've been discussing it. It simultaneously states who we are and who we aspire to be, faithful Christians in the Methodist tradition dedicated to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people all around the world. The Transitional Leadership Council ultimately selected the name after receiving input from persons around the world. Now, it's, it's kind of hard to uh, describe a logo, and so <laughs> I'm going to encourage our listeners to go to the website, www.globalmethodist.org, to, to see the, the logo, but I'll describe it. The logo consists of Christ cross at the center with three circles that intersect at the heart of the cross. The logo brings together in its three circles, the one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who we worship alone. The circles intersect at the center of the cross of Jesus Christ, the symbol of our deliverance from our slavery to sin and fear of death. The outer circumference of the circle circles represent the globe. As a whole, the logo communicates God's sending of the church into the world. It's set on a sky blue color background associated uh, with the logo, reminding us that even though global Methodists live all around the world, we are united together in God's great creation. The logo is a beautiful and richly meaningful symbol of our faith and call to be disciples in the world. Now, the Transitional Leadership Council selected the logo as well after receiving input from persons around the world, including from a, num a number of focus groups that were conducted globally that gave us their input. You know, it's interesting to me how a logo can uh, encompass so many things. I mean, what you said there, it's so symbolic of really who we are as Methodists. But just to take that a little step further, can you explain what the core beliefs are of the Global Methodist Church? How much time do you have? <laughs> uh, at the very core, we believe and witness that the one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has created all things that Jesus Christ, through the power of his cross and resurrection, is the Lord and Savior of all the world, and that the Holy Spirit empowers the world and his church to worship and praise God and to proclaim the gospel throughout the world in word and deed. Our, our core beliefs are consistent with the historic Christian faith in the Wesleyan tra tradition, as I said, as I began this answer, we don't really have enough time on this podcast to unpack all of the core beliefs of the Global Methodist Church. And, and of course, I'd invite our listeners once again to go to the website and look at the Transitional Book of Doctrines and Discipline, part one on doctrine and part two on social witness. And there they'll learn more about its core beliefs. I suspect we may have to do several podcasts 
to unpack all that would be included in the Global Methodist Church's core beliefs. And we're going to talk more about, in a little bit, about how the work of the WCA in doing some of that doctrinal work kind of connects with the Global Methodist Church and its transitional leadership council and the transitional book of discipline. So that's where I want to switch gears now and talk about how this came about and about the transitional leadership council. People have been hearing about that, who serves on the TLC as we're calling it and how were they selected? Sure. The transitional leadership council is composed of 17 persons. The members of the TLC include laity and clergy, women and men, persons from Africa, Asia, Europe, and the United States, persons of various ethnicities, and three retired bishops. I have the privilege of serving as the council's chairperson. The TLC was formed out of a meeting held in Atlanta, Georgia, on March 2 through 4, in 2020, the 30 leaders who met in Atlanta were from all over the world. They nominated the persons who currently serve on the Transitional Leadership Council. And if our listeners again go to our website, they'll find the names and photos of the TLC members listed. Bishop Hayes is one of the members of the TLC. And that's where I want to go next. So Bishop Hayes, since you are a member of the council, why did you agree to serve? Well, Bob, I agreed to serve because I felt that this was a unique opportunity to get involved in a conversation that would explore the possibilities of moving the United Methodist Church forward, forward out of the crisis and the impasse that we have been in for the last 50 years or so. As a fourth generation Methodist, it pains me to see our denomination gridlocked and severely limited in its mission and scope. And by being a member of the Transitional Leadership Council, I thought it would give me a chance to at least share my views and hear what others are saying about the future of the United Methodist Church. And so that's why I agreed to serve. Well, and it's so good to know, uh, Bishop Hayes, that folks like you have served on this council and are leading the way for us. Keith, I want to direct a question back to you. Uh, what is the relationship between the Global Methodist Church and the WCA? Can you explain that to us? Sure, and I'm sure many people would have that question. When the Protocol for Reconciliation and Grace through Separation was announced in January of 2020, the Wesleyan Covenant Association partnered with other United Methodist leaders to unite around a vision that has become the Global Methodist Church. Bishop Scott Jones of the Texas Annual Conference, Pat Miller, Executive Director of the Confessing Movement, and I, as President of the Wesleyan Covenant Association, hosted the meeting I referred to earlier in Atlanta, Georgia, last March. Out of that meeting, a unified vision emerged to launch the Global Methodist Church. When the protocols implementing legislation is adopted by the General Conference of the United Methodist Church. As I mentioned earlier, the leaders who met in Atlanta created the Transitional Leadership Council, 
And at that point, the, West, the Wesleyan Covenant Association became a midwife assisting in the birth of the new denomination. Significant work had already been completed by the WCA, and that work informed the work of the Transitional Leadership Council. Also, the WCA is the primary entity which is funding the startup costs for the Global Methodist Church. However, the Global Methodist Church and the Transitional Leadership Council are completely independent of the WCA. In fact, only three members of the Transitional Leadership Council are members of the WCA Global Council. The other 14 members of the council are a theologically conservative Methodist representing people from around the world. So I want to clarify, Keith, just because I, I'm sure this is a question our, our listeners might have. In, in terms of being a midwife for the Transitional Leadership Council, the WCA created its Next Steps Task Force to work on a book of discipline. That has been sort of handed over to the, the Global Methodist Church and the Transitional Leadership Council as, as kind of the, the next step on the way toward a new denomination. Is, am I characterizing that correctly? Yes, that, that would be correct. Um, once the Transitional Leadership Council was formed, it tasked a drafting team to present proposals for its consideration for governing documents for a new denomination. That dra the drafting team consisted of Reverends Tom Lambrecht, Chapel Temple, and Jay Therrell. The team used two primary resources to guide its work. The Wesleyan Covenant Association's draft book of doctrines and, doctrines and discipline, which many of our listeners perhaps would be familiar uh, with. Um, we've worked on that, the WCA has, for quite a while. Uh, so the drafting team used that document as a foundational document and the statement reimagining the passion of the global Wesleyan movement that was prepared and, and endorsed by the traditional leaders who gathered in Atlanta last March. The TLC worked through the drafting team's proposals week by week for the better part of a year, debating, amending, and then adopting what has become the document that's just been released today. Now that doesn't mean that the WCA's draft book of doctrines and discipline has no, no relevance anymore. In fact, the transitional book of doctrines and discipline will be what governs us for a season and a convening conference will ultimately decide the long-term governance of the new denomination. And proposals that are in the WCA's draft book of doctrines and discipline will be considered undoubtedly by that convening conference as it lands on the continuing governance for the new denomination. One of the things that strikes me when I think about all this and having been involved in some of that process on the WCA side of the house is that while the pandemic has been a, certainly a, a liminal period, I've called it Corona tide, you know, <laughs> the year long season of Corona tide, Sure. It has given us an opportunity to really get some things together. And so when we come to a convening conference, we're going to have a lot more material to work with than just sort of a sketch that we would have had had we started 
last spring. We, we would have much more uh, data. We have much more input to, to bring to the table to a convening conference. So we have the transitional book of doctrines and discipline informed by the WCA's doctrines and discipline that ultimately will lead to the final doctrines and discipline that will be approved by the convening conference. I hope I put that sequence in properly so people understand how this is going to work. Am I right, Keith? Yeah, you, you did a great job. Um, you know, as Methodists, uh, we have believed from really the beginning of our tribe, as it were, that God works in the midst of our holy conferencing. And in some ways, we've lost a sense of that uh, in general conference in the United Methodist Church. But I tell people, nobody would want a church that Keith Boyette designed by himself. Um, the great thing is that as we work through this, so many key essential voices have fed into the dreaming and envisioning of what this new church will be like. And so I'm excited that we have what you outlined, Bob, as a progression. That means that this will be God's church that emerges, not any particular person or group of persons that own it. So Keith, tell us, number one, why does this new document's title include the word transitional other than just the self-evident fact that it does? But also, I think the question on everyone's mind is going to be, when will the Global Methodist Church hold the convening conference? So can you address both of those for us? Sure. Those are great questions. We, we use the term transitional in both the name of the Transitional Leadership Council and in the name of the Transitional Book of Doctrines and Discipline, because once the Global Methodist Church is legally formed and launched, it will be in a time of transition for some months. The TLC and the transitional governing documents will provide the leadership, the organization, and the structure for the Global Methodist Church from when it begins to operate as a denomination until a convening conference establishes ongoing leadership, organization, and structure. Those persons who will become part of the, the new church will want to have a say in its ultimate organization, structure, and leadership. So we need a convening conference for that to occur, but we need governance as we journey toward that time and the Transitional Book of Doctrines and Discipline and the Transitional Leadership Council will provide that. We anticipate that a convening conference will be held from 12 to 18 months after the Global Methodist Church begins to operate. Very good. It's helpful to have that sort of timeline. So Bishop Hayes, as a member of the TLC, can you tell us, are there any aspects of the transitional book of doctrines and disciplines that are really important to you? Yes, I would be more than happy to share a few with you. Uh, there are certain aspects that are not only important to me, but are just crucial. First, uh, I feel that what we have put together is grace field. That's important to me because it says that we are not in the business of being punitive or retaliatory against anyone. We are simply offering 
all who want or seek a church rooted in our Methodist traditions and which is laser focused on communicating the good news of Jesus Christ can come and see, as it says in the John's Gospel first chapter, just to come and see who we are and what our mission is. That's one thing. Secondly, the emphasis on the participation of the local church cannot be overemphasized as far as I'm concerned. Over the years, we have neglected the primary component of any successful denomination, which is the local church. And we have wandered into the belief that local churches are there to enhance the work of agencies and commissions rather than the other way around. Also, there is within this book of uh, transitional book of doctrines and disciplines, a new vision for bishops. And I can resonate with that because as a retired bishop, I can tell you that I have always felt that my time was, I guess the word would be misused in other pursuits rather than in the place where I was serving the people who needed me the most. And so accountability to the people that elected me, uh, to the people from the place that I came from, and being an effective overseer while, while teaching and preaching really appeals to me. So those things are, are very vital. Grace field, a local church emphasis, and also putting uh, uh, the emphasis on bishops as apostolic leaders who are engaged in teaching and preaching. Uh, those things, Stephanie, are really important to me. Boy, I agree. And I'm sure all of our listeners would agree as well that those things are crucial uh, to the formation of this new uh new denomination. So Keith, I'd like to throw the same question out to you because I'm sure our listeners would like to hear what aspects of this transitional book of doctrines and discipline is important to you as well. Well, sure. I would echo Bishop Hayes' comments. Our primary goal is to develop governing documents that will empower the local church to be the primary place where ministry occurs. The role of annual conferences in the general church is to serve, as Bishop Hayes was saying, and support the ministry of the local church. That's where the gospel is proclaimed and where mm -hmm. relationships are built and where people are transformed, not in the midst of institutional structures, but in the in the day-to-day -day operation and engagement of the local church. So we want to ensure that decision-making on the deployment of financial and other resources occur at that level, at the level of the local church. We want to make sure that the people of God in the local church are equipped and empowered to be Christ ambassadors. They're entrusted with a significant role in this transitional book of doctrines and discipline in the deployment of clergy and in the missional direction of their local churches. And of course, we encourage every local church to be global in their vision and perspective. I believe we're called to fulfill the Great Commission in all of the areas that Jesus references in Acts 1-8 from our local church. We have streamlined the process by which persons are ordained as clergy, believing that we want people to be deployed in ministry in, in conformity with their calling as quickly as possible. And we've enhanced the funding of theological education. 
we recognize that every member of the church, laity and clergy, are under authority and thus accountable for their ministry. And I'm really glad that Bishop Hayes emphasized the grace-filled nature of what we are doing. The emphasis is placed on the primary mission of the church to make disciples of Jesus Christ who worship passionately, love extravagantly, and witness boldly. We've streamlined the general church's structure so it supports the local church's frontline mission to make disciples. We envision an episcopacy, bishops whose role in the church is transformed to being apostolic and missional and significantly deployed to preach and teach the word of God. Our bishops are accountable to the clergy and laity of the church, not just to one another, and they will serve for a limited term. Again, there's so much we could unpack in the transitional book of doctrines and discipline. I'm confident that we'll probably be doing other podcasts to help <laughs> unpack uh, this, this book. So I imagine that there are a lot of people listening to this who are sort of like runners lined up at the start of a race, just waiting for the starting gun to go off. And we're not quite there yet. So one of the questions I have is why announce the formation or the beginning of the Global Methodist Church now when we're not officially launched? And secondly, can conferences and clergy and churches and laity begin to join the new church at this point. Bishop Hayes, can you give us a little bit of insight on that? All right, I'll be more than happy to. Uh, there are a lot of people, many people who are interested in the specifics of a new theologically conservative church that will emerge from the United Methodist Church after the adoption of the protocol. We we are just one of those expressions and there are, there's a lot of concern, especially uh, in the delay of general conference and all the things that surround that. but. But there are a lot of people who are, are interested in that. And the Transitional Leadership Council, Council discerned that it's in the best interest to make this information about who we are and what we're all about available now so that people can become familiar with what is planned. They will have an opportunity to ask questions and to share their perspectives on our work. We are, we're not trying to do this in a, in a corner, in the back, in the booth. We want to open it up so that people can see us and be, and we can be as transparent as we can possibly be as we shape this thing. But uh, the, the second part of that question was, uh, can conferences or churches or clergy and led to be a part of this? Now, as Keith said at the beginning of the conversation, the Global Methodist Church uh, will officially launch once the protocol implementing legislation has been approved at the United Methodist General Conference. Uh, once that has been approved and the amicable separation, orderly separation is approved, the Global Methodist Church will come into existence and then it can joyfully receive into its midst lay people, pastors, local churches, and even whole annual conferences. And But it's going to take a little time for all of this to happen. Uh, there will be a time when, when all of this will fall into place. And for those who want to spend time with us sharing the gospel rather than quarreling with others, I can assure you our time is coming. And so uh, it's, it's very important, though, preparation, preparation and getting prepared for all of the things that are going to happen 
on down the road are so crucial. And so we want to be in a position where we are prepared when that when that sound of the horn says go start. We want to be on the ground running. Yeah. So the, the starting gun hasn't fired yet, but uh, we're waiting for that to happen. Now, now the flip side of that is we know that there are a lot of others out there who are not currently United Methodist churches, different, smaller, maybe clusters of churches, clergy and laity who might want to join with this new entity. So I would assume that the same applies for them. We're not quite there yet, but we're, we're, we're getting things in line for them to, to join us when the time comes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the, the protocol uh, invites the formation of new Methodist churches to emerge following its adoption. And, and the global Methodist church is just one such uh, entity, uh, as you said, Bob. Uh, but we, we see it as something that can be a vibrant, vital, global expression of Methodism that is theologically conservative in its doctrine and its teachings and in its ethical standards. And anyone who wants to, to be a part of that under that flag that we raise there, that we, we welcome that. Mm-hmm. Well, and Bishop Hayes, you're so good to point out the fact that it takes time and preparation to make sure that things are in place so that we're ready when uh, the call comes. But one of those things that I want to address this question to our president, one of those things that I think y'all have taken such great care in making provision for, but I'm sure many of our listeners would like to hear about is um, the provision that will be made for benefits and retirements for clergy and staff of churches within the global Methodist church. So can you tell us, Keith, has a provision been made um, for those matters by the transitional leadership council? Stephanie, if someone had Uh, told me uh, when I was first uh, hired as the president of the Wesleyan Covenant Association that there was going to be so much nitty-gritty detail (laughs) involved in raising up a new denomination, I would have uh, probably run the other direction. But but Uh, who better than a lawyer to do that? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) This may be my penance for my years practicing law. But um, but one of those things that uh, rightfully people, uh, pastors and staff are rightly concerned about is, you know, their well-being as we move through this. And so the WCA itself has done a lot of work in this area. Uh, We formed an insurance and benefits task force. They have are completing their work right now, having spent over three months uh, meeting with experts in the areas of pensions and health insurance and other benefits, uh, looking at property and casualty insurance for churches and um, um, the entity itself. Uh, And and they're they're actually finalizing their report this week. It's going to be delivered to the WCA Council and to the Transitional Leadership Council Uh, of um, the Global Methodist Church, and we'll be taking their recommendations, and they've made very, they're making very specific recommendations in each area. In fact, they've even already had some preliminary discussions with third parties who will likely be involved in the provision of, of retirement benefits, insurance, health insurance, life insurance, other kinds of benefits. Um, So they've had these preliminary conversations. And in the coming days, 
the Transitional Leadership Council will implement specific programs addressing benefits and retirement that will become effective when the Global Methodist Church begins to operate. I assure you that everyone will have their questions answered well in advance of their making a decision to align with the Global Methodist Church. So that's just one of the things that the Transitional Leadership Council would be working on. In the coming weeks, Keith, we know there's going to be a lot of change and and a lot of, of speculation about what comes next. So what is the Transitional Leadership Council going to be up to in these coming weeks as we deal with the implications of general conference and looking ahead toward a convening conference? What's the, what are the next steps? Sure. Well, the Transitional Leadership Council will continue to meet. Uh, Bob and Stephanie, it's, it's amazing to me. Bishop Hayes and the other members of this council have met on almost a weekly basis since late March of 2020, week in and week out, working uh, for what we have produced and, and are laying out today. And now we, we turn to putting uh, flesh, meat on the bones that have been constructed. Um, we're gonna ensure that the Global Methodist Church is ready to welcome local churches and clergy when they're ready to join. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be, for example, doing all kinds of things in the area of clergy transfers, credentialing, uh, how we transition licensed local pastors into the new church, what we do with uh, candidates for ministry that are in process. So many questions like that, for example. There are, are ministry emphases, uh, many of which will be informed by the great work that the task forces have done in the WCA. Those, uh, those ministry emphases will be uh, operationalized and begin to be uh, developed and deployed. So uh, there'll be a lot of exciting things that are yet to come and will be revealed. And I encourage our listeners to watch the Global Methodist Church website. There'll be frequent updates. Uh, I encourage you to sign up for uh, the updates. There's a place uh, there that you can sign up for our emails so that you can stay informed about those developments. Well, and Bishop Hayes, I want to throw a question out to you. <clears throat> As we are waiting for action on the protocol for reconciliation and grace through separation, what is your counsel to churches, clergy, laity, all of us who are just kind of holding our breath, waiting for this to happen? What should we do while we're waiting? That's a wonderful question, Stephanie. And I think I could sum it up in, in three very brief points. Uh, first of all, the starting place for all of this, I would urge churches, clergy, and laity, first and foremost, to be fervent in prayer. Prayer is always the beginning point of any great endeavor. And so I would just uh, counsel to say that, uh, be fervent in prayer. Secondly, I would just uh, say to, uh, to all to be faithful in the, uh, to the call that God has placed on you to be his witnesses and to make disciples who make disciples. That's our job. That's why we are here is to be about the business of making disciples. And third and lastly, it is to be informed. I believe that an educated clergy and laity offers us the best opportunity 
to make this a seamless transition when the time comes. So please be informed. The Wesley Covenant Association has a number of resources on its website that you will want to read. I uh, would want you to familiarize yourself with the information that has been released uh, on the Global Methodist Church's website. Stay in touch with that. Uh, reach out, ask questions, uh, share with others what you think about, share with us uh, and speak with others and leaders in your church. We want to be as transparent, but we want to be as, an eff as effective as we can possibly be when the time comes. So prayer, uh, being faithful to your call and being informed is the best counsel that I could give to our clergy, laity, and all those who are in this waiting period. Such good counsel and, and reminds me of the fact that that we are called to action in this, even in a time of waiting, we have work to do. And that's so good. So Keith, would you answer the same question for us? What is your counsel to those of us in the waiting period? Well, I, of course, would echo the things that Bishop Hayes has said. That's great counsel. The only thing I would add is that, you know, this is a stressful, anxious period for so many at so many different levels of the church. And the uncertainties uh, that have been brought about by the delays that we've experienced in General Conference being able to meet our, our appropriate concern for uh, our communities as we deal with COVID-19 and as we address the importance of racial and ethnic equality um, in our nation, those have all become a, a primary focus for us, rightfully so. So I would urge people to be non-anxious in this time. God is on the throne. He's at work. He is building his church. That's what Jesus said. And so by our being calm in this period, fervent in our waiting upon God, uh, I know God will deliver us at just the right moment to what he has next for us. So as we, as we look ahead to the uh, future, and we've been talking so much about nuts and bolts, those are important things. But obviously, there's a reason we're doing this in the first place. So Bishop Hayes, what excites you about the Global Methodist Church? What is, what is stoking your fire? You've been at this for a long time. And to see this new thing being birthed has to be exciting. What is it specifically that excites you? Oh, my goodness. Stephanie can tell you about what my years in Oklahoma, how excited I can get when I, I see God about to do a new thing. <laughs> and so I'll try to make it brief because I could go on all day about what excites me. But but let me say the thing that excites me about the global Methodist church lies in the unique possibilities that we now have to reach the people who have long held the belief that we need a church that is rooted in scripture, while at the same time maintaining the historic traditions and values that have made the Methodist church what it has become. As I said a moment ago, as a fourth generation Methodist, I am excited about that church becoming what my great grandfather and my grandfather, all of them wanted it to be. And so uh, I'm always excited. This is the other thing, when a fresh wind of the spirit has an opportunity to sweep over us and provide us with a renewed vision of work, what the church can be. So, so that excitement, God is creating something and, and we are here to see it happen and be participants in it. So uh, we have this chance now and I want us to seize it. And that's, that's the thing that gets me really pumped up for this, Bob. 
But Keith, same question. Well, Bob, I, I am so excited um, because I too sense that God is doing something new, uh, that uh, he's pouring new wine into new wineskins. I'm excited that we're committed to returning to our primary focus of the great mission of the church to make disciples who worship passionately, love extravagantly, and witness boldly, uh, an army of disciples sent out to share the good news of Jesus, the salvation that we have in Jesus, the transformation that can occur in our lives where we can become vibrant and vital and fruitful in our witness. I'm excited that we will be uncompromisingly committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I look forward to the rich diversity that we'll experience as we welcome persons of every nation, tribe, and, and language. I believe that God is bringing about a great season of theological renewal and revival in his church. Well, Keith, thank you for that great response. And also, we've talked so much about the the new website for the Global Methodist Church, which I'm really excited about being launched. I'm so excited for people to have the opportunity to find out more information. Are there other ways that people can find out information about the Global Methodist Church? Well, sure. Of course, as you mentioned, Stephanie, the best way to get information is to visit the website. They'll find all of everything we've spoken about today, uh, the full transitional book of doctrines and discipline in multiple languages, uh, the information about the name and the, the logo, our vision. There's a frequently asked questions uh, portion of the website. So go to www.globalmethodist.org. You can also email the Global Methodist Church at info at globalmethodist.org. You can reach the Global Methodist Church by phone at 540-898-4960. And you can reach me at kboyette at globalmethodist.org. And I'll make sure to provide you all with all of that information so you can put it in the show notes. Perfect. I know that'll really help as people are wanting to find out more. So Bishop Hayes, as we conclude today, you were so good to remind us earlier that all of this begins with prayer. And today it's also going to end with prayer because I would like to ask you to pray for us as we go today. I'd be delighted to do so. Let, let's pray. Oh, most gracious and holy God, who knows us better than we know ourselves, we come before you now in a season of waiting, a season of anticipation, a season in which we lean upon you for wisdom and guidance. Speak to us as you did on that day of Pentecost and ignite our hearts with new dreams, new visions, and new hopes. Take our ordinary gifts and allow them to become extraordinary under your divine guidance and give us the reassurance that even now you are at work bringing out the good in every situation so that at the end of the day, your ways and your will may be known to all those who are faithful and steadfast to your word. This we pray in the name of the one who came to give his life that we might have life in all of its abundance, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, we want to thank you for joining us. We want to thank 
Keith, and we want to thank Bishop Hayes for joining us and giving us all the scoop on the Global Methodist Church. We look forward to hearing more. We're going to have a lot of episodes to unpack all that was announced today. But Stephanie, why don't you take us home? I'd love to, Bob. So friends, we would love for you to comment or send us questions, and you can send those to podcast at wesleyancovenant.org. We'd also encourage you to follow us on Twitter at WCA pod. Leave us a review too on your favorite podcast platform. We are so glad that you've joined us for this very special episode of Holy Conversations, a podcast of the Wesleyan Covenant Association, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. <laughs>